Hey, you're listening to the Fat Boy Show. Oh, we live in an interesting country. This country called Uganda. My goodness. Sometimes you want to laugh. Sometimes you want to cry. Sometimes you do both at the same time. You're laughing and crying at the same time. We're about to go crazy just trying to figure out what's wrong about this country. And with each passing day, we are confronted with yet another reason as to wonder whether or not really our country is in a good place. I am Fat Boy here with Olive. And this is the Fat Boy Show. Well, last week, we talked about how the Minister of Internal Affairs, he was being put on the spot regarding the case of certain missing individuals that were allegedly kidnapped. He was asked about the whereabouts of these individuals who've been missing for weeks following Election Day. And he expressed uh, ignorance about uh, those allegations. And instead, he was asking those that were alleging it to provide more information. Mm. Of course, what irked us was that if he were indeed an internal affairs minister, that all this information should be first-hand knowledge. Exactly. Uh, there would be no way and a whole internal affairs minister would not know the whereabouts of people abducted or arrested by his own agents. That's right. Uh, but and was, it wasn't only him, even the inspector general of police. They all feigned their cluelessness regarding these uh, alleged disappearances. Feigned is the right word. <laughs> Until they actually came out and admitted to it. So Internal Affairs Minister General J.J. Odongo, while addressing a parliamentary plenary session, revealed that government is indeed yet to account for the whereabouts of 31 Ugandans who were reportedly kidnapped by armed personnel between November and uh, 2020 and January and so, yeah, he finally decided to respond to the matter raised uh, the other week by Kira Municipality Member of Parliament Ibrahim Semu Junganda, who had said that people armed with guns had kidnapped a Sharif Kato, a trader in Kireka Central Market in Wakiso District, and his whereabouts were still unknown. So, Minister Jeje Odongo revealed that the total number of missing people reported at several police stations was actually 44, but only 13 had been investigated conclusively by the police. He said, I undertake to give progress about the ongoing investigations with time as they are being undertaken. Hmm. Um, so what does it uh, say to you that they are finally coming around to admitting their role in the disappearances of some of these uh, individuals? Although he's saying his investigations are still ongoing. I mean, the first time it was brought up, he had no idea. Yeah, he was actually saying it would be more, more helpful if you give us names ages, places of residence. But I believe that uh, by the time people are apprehended, they are known, right? In a true democratic environment, people will be arrested when there is reason for them to be arrested. Meaning that by the time they are apprehended, security forces know their names, they know their places of work, where they stay, and there is a reason for their apprehension. And for him not having clear knowledge of it the time he was first asked about it, mm -hmm. it really made people really question uh, how, how serious he must be uh, as, as a minister of internal affairs to not have this information on his fingertips. But so now that they have admitted to it and at least uh, conceded that a number of them are still under investigation, do, do you think this is going to mean that uh, these individuals will soon uh, be returned back to their homes and families? Um, uh -huh. that's a stretch. 
Because ideally, in the laws of this country, if one is arrested, they're supposed to be presented in court in 48 hours, right? And charged. And charged. Now, here we have over 44 people that are unaccounted for. He's unaccounted for means he doesn't know where they are. Wow. But so, they were taken by security agencies. And the 13 that have been investigated are yet to appear in court. So if you ask me whether they will be, you know, set free and late to go home, um, that's like a far cry because we don't know what they're doing with them, where they are. He's not giving more information. I'm sure their families may not even know where these guys are. Yeah, but I mean, it's just history repeats itself. You know, of course, on social media, just given how people talk about the state of the country and how a lot of people seem to believe that a change is necessary because of where we are now, um, a lot of them need to be reminded of the fact that that was precisely the change we were promised. We were told about how horrible the Obote regime was. Pandagari. Uh, and before that, uh, Idi Amin. Mm-hmm. Same thing. People disappearing. And, and yeah. <laughs> in broad daylight. In broad daylight. And, you know, each each past, each new regime promises to do away with those evils of mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. And yet, for some reason, and maybe they can explain it one day, for some reason... The same, thing, the same thing keeps <laughs> happening. And unless we try and understand why, regardless of who comes into power next, we might still have a repeat. <laughs> yeah, so it gives credence to the statement that uh, the more things change, the more they remain the same. And what asks me most is that instead of holding such guys accountable, like produce these people, even if you belong to the NRM, Ask them. You, you remember when Donald Trump was allegedly instigated the insurrection mm-hmm. at the U.S. Capitol? You were here saying, ah, okay, now this time round, he took it a bit too far. Mm-hmm. And that's, I appreciated that. And I believe that as a supporter of any side, you should be in position to hold your leaders accountable. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something I've not seen. I've not seen NRM people telling government, come on, guys, you won. Produce these people. Do the right thing. (laughs) I've not seen this. What I'm seeing is people rubbing it in. Like, we won. You're dumber than dumb. How is that helping? Well, that's not uh, helping at all. And uh, perhaps we will invite an NRM supporter to... Uh, try and explain or, or ask him or her how he or she feels about but, the ongoings uh, in the country. And yeah, it's not their fault, obviously. But of course. I don't know how they feel about holding, uh, you know, their the ruling party uh, accountable. Mm-hmm. Like to just bring to their attention how unhappy they are. Perhaps if uh, they heard, if NRM heard more from their own constituents mm-hmm. about how they're not happy with the ongoings. Because if it's just opposition people complaining about these things, I guess it's easy for them to just tune it out and say, ah, who cares? Yeah. Yes. But at the end of the day, this is our country. We are all Ugandans. Uh, you're Ugandan. I'm Ugandan. You're neutral. I'm not neutral. <laughs> but we should be able to call out government. It doesn't matter whether you are a strong supporter of the government. You should be able to draw a line and be like, now this is too much. 
Remember like the other week when the finance ministry tried to sneak in about 400 something billion shillings into BOU saying that BOU had actually requested for a supplementary budget uh-huh. only for the deputy uh, governor of the Bank of Uganda to come out and say, no, we didn't request for this money. <laughs> we are doing just fine. <laughs> and then members of parliament called out the president and said, fire the guys at the Ministry of Finance. This is what we should be doing as Ugandans. Yeah, um, I, I feel like the people's patience is being tested. And, th- and this is what I keep saying, because, you know, um, they seem to overestimate or rather or underappreciate the level of goodwill mm. that they are being shown their supporters because a lot of them kind of just tolerate uh, what they see. I guess yeah. in the minds, I like to use the phrase, you know, the devil's bargain, meaning you know that the people you're dealing with may not be perfect, but you kind of reach strike a mental compromise where you're like, okay. I can't stand them. For as long as <laughs> they're not going to uh, do things that are overly egregious, or they're not going to get too much in my face or in my business, maybe I'll look another way. Or maybe I won't be as critical. I will tolerate them. I'll tolerate. And I think in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. I think Mm -hmm. uh, because no one is perfect. No administration will be perfect. They will make mistakes along the way. Um, But only up until it gets to the point where people will say, okay, now. You're dipping your clothes (laughs) into my cookie jar. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and I'm sure they're open to hearing what you have to say. Uh, maybe just not uh, be too quiet about it. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm one of those people. I, I was, I have always been one of those more ambivalent people mm. uh, towards politics. I'm like, yeah, I'll just, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> who cares? But mm. I, I just feel like with each passing day, things are happening that continue to test people's patience exactly and i feel like they're they're just pushing it too far because now if you add on top of everything like every day there's something new Mm -hmm. uh you reported the other day that i think they want nursery schools closed yeah um the (laughs) minister of education and sports and also the first lady said that uh due to covid19 uh, younger children will not be going to school until they're five years of age like how is it i mean you have had a, a tradition of something that's been a part of the schooling culture for the better part of a century. We have... And, and you just wake up one morning and say, okay, no more. And dismissively so, by the way, because she said, um, even when even uh, P1 teachers can teach nursery kids, so they will know how to handle. But remember, we have Ugandans that have gone to school to train specifically in early childhood Development. So all those people are going to be out of a job. And then we have <laughs> Ugandans that have invested in early childhood. They have erected schools and employed these guys. And then school is not about what you study. Like in P1, when you start to say the boy is going to school, mother is cooking food. No, there is social development. There is emotional development. There is uh, a brain development for the child. That's why in most nursery schools, the kid may not even know how to spell their name. But they know how to socialize. They know how to reason. They know how to speak. Nurs- nursery education, in other words, is very different from primary school Exactly. So, so you can't just dismiss. It. And they just, and do you know what shocks me the most, and, and this partly annoys me, is our legal fraternity have been asleep. Like, 
from the beginning. All these incursions into people's rights and liberties and freedoms. And nowhere have any of our lawyers or law societies or civil rights groups, no one has ever stood up to to challenge uh, any of these things. And I feel like a lot of these... uh, uh, these rules and, and and pronouncements are challengeable, you know. Um, I don't think that nursery school uh, proprietors and teachers should be quiet. I think they should uh, speak out. They, not just speak out, but they should explore every legal avenue towards reversing that order. Exactly. Because. Because even us, the parents, are not comfortable with this order. <laughs> of course, some people are yeah. ignorantly saying, oh, oh, I'm relieved. I won't have to pay fees. But this is uh, to the detriment of your child. Your child needs to be in school. Now, the, vice, uh, the first lady said that uh, t- uh, parents could do what she called play learning. But here's the thing, like I've been saying before, is that uh, some solutions are given to help a certain class. Picture a child in the village or picture a child in the slums of Kampala. (laughs) The parent is most likely illiterate. What are they going to teach the kids? You know, and I I just worry that, and you know, some people have unfairly uncharacterized her as a Marie Antoinette of the modern age. But, you know, like if... In the face of closed schools and your response is, ah, people can do online learning. The people are doing online, so what's the big deal? It's like, yeah, but a a very, very select few. A very select few. (laughs) I'll tell you this. I've seen parents that are gainfully employed saying that data is very expensive. Please factor in the fact that we are now forced to use VPN. How are you advising people to uh, to embrace online learning yet sections of the internet have been cut off until further notice? How is now, this helping? Now my head is even painting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes sense around here, man. I know. And then the it's teachers crazy. that have taken on private tutoring are also expensive because, yes, we may have jobs, but how much are people earning vis-a-vis how much they're spending on yeah, their family? With an economy already decimated through these restrictive policies. where And like I said, and we've said many times that the economy is interlinked. Everything is interconnected. Mm-hmm. When you when you close bars and clubs and other ins- places, mm. you affect several other sectors of the economy by mm-hmm. you know in, within the proximity of that industry and even further away from it. Uh, and so, with these new measures that are being proposed as mitigations, they then these those mitigation uh, measures. Require a lot of money to implement. That's right. So you can't just tell me, oh, we're closing schools, but just do online learning. Ah, okay. So uh, what happens gonna... to the guy that took a loan from the bank to <sighs> erect a nursery school? Thank you. <laughs> Meanwhile, the uh, first lady also said that uh, the reason why they're not allowing these kids back to school is because they're prone to respiratory infections. Now, in as much as I agree with that, we have also, uh, over time, have learned from experts that uh, COVID-19 does not actually affect children. 99.9%. As much as it affects adults. <laughs> like young children like have a 99.9 survival rate. Thank you. It's, the case fatality rate for you know people younger than 10 is like minuscule, mm-hmm. uh, which means... Therefore, the excessive 
restrictions that are being proposed just are not justified mm-hmm. by by the actual numbers. Uh, yeah, and even school proprietors have been like, okay, some of our schools can actually manage to, you know, control these children, maintain social distancing, because that that that's the pro that that's what the national COVID nineteen task force has been saying that uh, most schools have very many numbers, but. I have been to nursery schools that have 10 kids in class, 20 kids in class. And if you allow them and you allow them, they can find ways of accommodating all these kids. Yeah, well, you would think, um, you know, these challenges require creative solutions. Thank you. Uh, And I think the solutions that we're thus far looking at coming from the government side they're really not creative. They just they seem almost knee jerk and extreme. Uh, and and this is the and thing. And removed is is that the people that um, implement these policies or propose them and enforce them, they are not affected by them. If you're a civil servant, you're living off of people's taxes. Whether or not the economy is up or down, you're mm-hmm. getting paid. You're getting paid. And other people have been saying these guys are making such regulations because their children are going to uh, international schools. Remember when P7 went back to school in uh, P7 senior 4 and senior 6 and uh, finalists uh, in universities, um, international schools were allowed to go back to school. So their kids are actually going to school daily. <laughs> Meanwhile, for the Wanainchi, uh-huh. your, your kids, kids are at home just giving you a headache. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, head's about to burst, man. Too many problems. I just hope uh, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. I hmm. hope so too. But in the meantime, if you enjoy listening to RX Radio, please consider subscribing to our podcast library. Just head to rxradio.ug and you can subscribe for either monthly or the six-month plan or the 12-month plan. The more months you opt for, the less it will cost. It's 20000 for the monthly, uh, 100000 for the six-month and uh to, uh, then 200000 for the 12 month and uh, if you subscribe between now and the 20th of February you stand a chance to win a brand new HD LED Hisense TV 32 inches yep you'll get entered into a draw to win it and that is if you subscribe between now and the 20th of February there's just 12 days to go so please uh, subscribe today and your subscription to the podcast uh, goes a long way towards helping us to continue to produce the top quality programs and wonderful music we bring you every day on your favorite station, RX Radio. Thanks for listening to RX Radio. The Fat Boy Show continues. We'll be right back.